0: Chapter number one. Got back up here to sing, and then I didn't I realized when I only heard my voice, I'm like, oh no, the other singers are all gone. And I already sang all the last service and I preached last service and I just sang there. I'm like I gotta get through that. Take our Bibles to Second Peter chapter number one. We were here probably three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we talked about the sanctity of life, and then last week we had Brother Young with us. And so it's been a few weeks since we've been back to this topic. And I brought my bricks back over this morning. Want to see the great job I did of wrapping those up. And no, that's not the reason they're there. And um, we should be, just so the church knows too, we should be getting out of YouTube jail tomorrow, okay? So YouTube blocked me for a week. Those stinking, those stinking, stinking. Anyways, no, I need to be nice because maybe they're listening to me this morning. I love you, YouTube, and I hope that... I hope that you all come to know Jesus and that you get right with God and remember we're in America and free speech is still a thing. Except if, you have, except if you own a platform, then you can change that. So, I've looked at other ways to do it, but all the other ones cost a lot of money and YouTube doesn't, so I'll, I'll put up with their, uh, with their ridiculousness. It was from a sermon a year ago. Get that. It was a sermon from a year ago. Say, like, what did you say? I don't know. I don't know what I said last week. But if they're behind a year, I'm really in trouble. Hopefully they get out of, so the, they give you three strikes. It's like baseball. So I'm on strike number one. So strike number two, if it comes, I'm banned for a month from YouTube. But I've already got a plan. I'm going to start another one in a few days. I'm just going to call it something else. And then we'll have a backup that we can always switch to. And it'll be no problem. We'll make it work. And I'll just keep starting new ones till it finally goes away. And then if they start doing that, I'll just hack into one of yours, and live stream our church through your private one, and we will all work out just fine. We won't have any problems. And so today we're going back to where we were a few weeks ago, and we looked at these things, some things to add to our faith. That word, faith, literally like a supplement. And, you know, in this room, people will take supplements because maybe your food or different things don't give you all the things you need for life, so there's things you add to your diet that you supplement in. In the Christian life, in order to grow, you got to understand something, it all begins with faith. If you don't have faith, you're not saved, right? And that faith comes from the Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not yourselves, it is the gift of God. So as we think on that thought, it all begins, the foundation for life, and to grow in the Lord, begins with faith. And that's knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. We'll talk more about that here this morning. But then the Bible says, that we need to add to it now I want you to look with me we're going to look again today first second Peter chapter number one and I want you to look at verse number five because we're going to review where we were a couple weeks ago want you look with me at verse number five and besides this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue that's the right thinking you're not going to get right thinking if you're not saved that's where right thinking. have you figured out this world doesn't think right just look at what our world stands for today. The world does not think right. So you need to add to your faith right thinking. You need to add knowledge to that. The virtue and knowledge go hand in hand. And that knowledge, it comes from the word of God. And how are you going to gain knowledge from God without reading his book? It's important. So add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance or self-control. And to that self control, add patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. That's the list of them right there. Those are the things to add. Now look at verse 8. It says, For if these things be in you. Wait, wait, wait. What, thi- what are these things? What's found in verse 5, 6, and 7? So these things. And your faith, virtue, knowledge, Self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly, kindness, and love. These things. So you're going to see this phrase used over and over again here. Just listen up as we go. For if these things be in you, if these things are in you and abound, actually taking root, they make you that ye ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these things are pretty important, right? Look at verse 9. But he that lacketh these things, what things? The things we've already listed from verse 5 to 7. But if these things, if lack these things, is blind and cannot see afar off. Now before we go deeper, is the book of 2 Peter written to unsaved people or to Christians? Christians. Look at the very beginning there. To them that have obtained like precious faith. So 2 Peter is written to Christians. So think with this. Think with me for a minute. It is possible for a Christian to not bear fruit. I've heard many a preacher and some of my own friends that I've questioned about this. Their thing is, you know a person by their fruits, and if they aren't showing fruit in their life, they're not saved. You can't see something like that. That is against the Word of God, and there's, that's a works-based salvation. And we need to leave that alone. If these things are lacking... You're going to doubt your salvation. You're not going to be fruitful. Ever doubt your salvation before? Let's be honest this morning. How many of you could say sometime in your Christian life you've doubted your salvation? My hand is up. We all do. You know why? Because we're lacking in these things. These things are pretty important. So let's keep reading. It says, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see far off. So you're saying a saved person can be blind and not see very far. Yes, that's what it says and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, what things? Verse 5 through 7. Ye shall never fall. That's pretty powerful there. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Now, if we were to end right there, that would be just fine, but we're going to continue on from verse 12 to verse 15. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Do you see that phrase again? These things? What things? Verse 5 through 7. I think you're getting that there. Though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Putting you in remembrance of what? These things. Keep reading. Knowing that shortly I must put off this, I'm going to die soon, he's saying. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. So what do we see over and over again that these things are a big deal in the Christian life? Sometimes I feel like the Lord has me, and I don't plan out when I'm going to preach what. I just preach, and when it comes, it comes. Someone a few years ago gave me the idea. They said, you should use a preaching calendar. Plan out your year ahead of time. And I thought, I'll do that. And I, you'd be surprised. I actually did it. Some of you that know me well, that might be a shock. I had the whole calendar in Excel set up for the year. It was 2020. And it went great till March. And March ruined it. And maybe the reason COVID came was because I set up a preaching calendar. So I'm never doing that again. Literally, it was going so well till March, and then I'm done with it. I haven't, even gone, I haven't even looked at that file probably since 2020, and I'm never going back there. So I don't plan these things out. So I would have, for me, I would have loved to have preached last or three weeks ago's message and then preach this the following week to keep us going in this area. But I think the Lord has a way of doing it. And I also feel that as a pastor, I read this here. And I always, you know, I had some of the older ladies in the last service were giving me a hard time before the service. Can you believe, Robert, your mom was giving me a hard time back there? She's like, "In 40 years, you're going to be my age." And I was like, 50 really, but I wasn't going to tell her that one. She's 45 for Margie, but they were giving me a hard time. There's no guarantee I'm going to be here in 40 years. I have today. I don't have. Next week, I have today. And I don't know when my last sermon's going to be. I love what this passage says, that Peter says, I'm going to drill it in you and stir you up to remember these things. So that when I'm gone, he doesn't say he wanted them to remember him and what he said. He wanted them to remember these things. And I really, if I have a desire and a goal as a pastor... I think God finished, I've been for a while searching some things, and I think I got my answer. And so as long as I preach, I'm going to remind you of these things. And when I'm gone, I hope you remember these things. And not anything else, I want you to remember these things. Peter's pretty serious about these things. These things are important. It's important to remember. We forget a lot of things in life, don't we? might forget a birthday. <laughs> don't forget your anniversary. That's a terrible thing to do, guys. And normally it's the guys that do that. I don't know why it's that way. But there's lots of things, there are some things that you forget in life that just don't matter as much as other things. There are some things that really matter. And uh, yesterday we had a teen activity and I was teasing Skylar and she's not here, but you can it's online and you can tell her I was talking about her, so it's not gossip if I'm talking about someone and you can go tell them. But I've been bugging her for three months that she needs to get an oil change in her car. And I, she just hasn't done it. So yesterday she asked me going to that activity, um, where's a good place to get an oil change? I'm like, I told you three months ago. I know, I've, just been, I've forgotten. Her car is still running for now. So you say, how many miles has she gone? She's gone quite a bit. But, but as long as she gets it done soon, I think she's going to be okay. There are other things in life that we forget that really are trouble for us. Every Sunday afternoon, I bring my iPad home. Now, I don't need my iPad to preach my message. I've already worked on it enough. It's here. But in case if people distract me or if people beep at me or anything happens like that, I have, you see the green highlights there to get me back on track because I get distracted very easy. That's just my personality. So that's there just in case. But I, I have it. And Sunday afternoons, I always bring it home. The problem is, I try to always remember to bring it to church. What works out good is, though, I can call Caroline and be like, I forgot it. Could you bring it to me? And it works that way. We'll go back and forth with each other sometimes. I need to remember this. Remind me. And then she set up this cool little um, app on my, our iPhones to remind us of things. Bad thing is, I still forget some things there. But a lot of those things are okay. There are certain things in life you don't want to forget. I've done 12 weddings as a pastor. In my 12 years of pastor, I've done probably 70 memorial services. Big difference in the two. I get very nervous at weddings. I don't know what it is. And so I just started using my iPad. And I always, I go with the same order of things always. So literally I change names is what I do. So it was a couple of years ago. I'm in here. I'm back here. And I'm like, do you Jason take, I'm like, his name's not Jason. But my note said Jason. My iPad didn't fix it. And Abraham, I'll never forget his name, and Abraham, a Bible name of all names, right? A Bible name of eyes said, Jason, do you take, oh, I messed it up. You would think from there I'd have it all set. At the very end, I now pronounce to you Jason and I did it twice. That was not the time to do that. That's one of those things I needed to Remember? There was a memorial service I did a while back, and someone, sometimes people will call me, and they'll just be like, someone called me a while back, and they're like, a friend of yours said you always help people out, and you can do this. Okay, I'll do the service. That's fine. So, but wouldn't you know that the lady I was doing the service for had one of the hardest last names in the world to pronounce? So they told me 1130 is when the service is going to start, so show up by 11. So I'm like, "No, I'll show up at 10:50." It was West Covina. The whole way to West Covina, all I'm doing in the car is saying that name. 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 I said it the whole time there. Get there at 10:50. There's probably 300 people sitting in that auditorium. And they're like, "We're ready for you." Like, "I have 40 minutes." No, we're going to start now. 5 minutes in, I said the name. Family member on the second row stood up. That's not how it's said. And then they said it correctly. So you know what I did for the rest of the service? Anytime I was going to use her last name, I'm like, and it's pronounced? I let her, and she said it for me. And it became a little joke throughout the thing there. But that was not a name. It's not a good time at a memorial service to not know how to say someone's last name. In life, and as a Christian, there are some things you don't need to forget. Like it would do some of you good in this room to forget some of your old sins. The Lord doesn't hold it against you. You hold it against yourself. He chooses to forget our sins, the Bible says. But there are many in this room that in their own mind, you remember I did this and I did that. And the Lord, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And some of us are holding on to these things from our past that you need to forget. But then there are some things in the Christian life we need to remember That we forget. And as we look this morning, and as we see in the scriptures, the Bible says, and it makes several statements here, that these things in our life are very important. You'd be amazed over the past three weeks of having these out. I've had 10 to 20 people in our church come up to me and be like, I just love love seeing those things. Those things help me by seeing it. Because we all need to be reminded of these things. These things are very important. And our theme for the year is growing in the Lord. And if you're going to grow, these things matter. What you do or what you don't do with them. And so for a little bit of time this morning, I know the kids sang. I know we had the Lord's Supper. I know I I don't have a ton of time this morning. I want us to talk about remembering what you've been taught. Keeping those things near and dear to your heart. And I want to do as Peter says here. I want to stir them up in remembrance. Like, you'll hear me often say, hey, one of the things I say, one of the most often things, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Guess what? You're not going to get knowledge if you're not reading the Word of God. Your thinking's not going to be good if you're not in the Word of God. The problem is your sin is either keeping you from the book or the book is keeping you from sin. That's literally what it comes down to. So you say, why do you always preach, read your Bible? Because I'm stirring in remembrance these things. Why do, you pre- why do you say I need to walk in the Spirit? Why do I need to be filled with the Spirit? Because I don't know if you noticed, most of those things come from the Spirit. Your self-control doesn't come from you. It comes from the Spirit of God. Patience doesn't come naturally to us. It comes from the Spirit of God. Godliness doesn't come naturally. It's something the Spirit produces. Brotherly kindness, love, it comes from God. So we need to stir these things up. So this morning as we dive into our notes, and I'm going to do my best to get us through these real quick. And I, man, the other day on Thursday, I went to the gym on Thursday. And I was lifting weights, and there was a pinch in my shoulder. And so literally, right now, my shoulder feels like someone's taking their finger and digging it in for three days. And I thought maybe preaching that would go away, but it's constantly on my mind. It makes me think of those of you in this room, and I know last service, those of you that live in pain all the time. I don't live in pain all the time. I literally, it's been three days, and I literally, right now, it's just constantly in my mind. I literally feel like someone's dragging me down. And so the fact that you can live in constant pain and do what you do, that's a a huge thing. And sometimes, you know, people just toughen up, do what you need, and at times you got to. But when you live in constant pain, it's not an easy thing. My mom lives in constant pain. I know Russ, and there's several others. The older you get, the more things hurt, right? And so it's my little reminder right now, and hopefully it'll go away before long. You say, what do you do? I don't even know what I did, but I just know it still hurts. I can't even get my shirt on anymore. the i got to barely get the arm up like that. And so I'm just going to quit wearing shirts if it keeps up. So we dive into our notes today. Point number one. That was a joke. That was a joke. All right. Point number one as we get into today, if we're going to remember what you've been taught, remember your supplements. Take your vitamins. That's a good way of wording it. Ever hear someone talk, take your vitamins. Take your supplements. Remember these things. Verse 8 says, These things be in you and abound. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You think about as a child of God, we have been given so much knowledge and wealth of knowledge from the Word of God. And being saved today, we stand more of the Bible than someone who wouldn't be saved, right? The natural man doesn't get the things of God, but a spiritual man does. So you can, we can learn so much from the Word of God and everything you need for life and knowledge is found in the Word of God. As we think on those things, you think about what the Bible tells us. I love... One of the wisest men in all the Bible was Solomon. Solomon penned these words in the book of Proverbs. It's some wise advice. Sometimes what we do with the book of Proverbs, and let me just help you out this morning, the book of Proverbs is not absolutes. You know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from I have many people come to me and say, I train my child upright, and they're not. The book of Proverbs are wise sayings. The book of Proverbs is not an absolute. But if you train up your child in the way they should go, there's a much better chance that they'll do what they're supposed to do and even return to it if they leave it. There is no absolute promise there. So the book of Proverbs gives us wise thoughts. So here's a wise thought. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. In life, we enter life simple, don't we? And then we gain knowledge and instruction. And what you do with the knowledge and instruction you receive decides if you are wise or foolish. A wise person hears the instruction and does it. A foolish person hears it but refuses to do what the wise person should do. Proverbs 13:1. wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. I'm not going to give you a whole lesson on the book of Proverbs right now, but when we enter into life simple, when we hear that instruction and we receive it, we're wise and as we live it out, that leads to a prudent person. There's a lot that can go down that road. But when you hear the instruction and you don't receive it, it makes you foolish. And when you're foolish long enough, you turn into a scorner, mocking those who do what is right. So there's two different paths that you can go. But What Solomon says here is, hey, a wise person's going to hear what his father says, and he's going to do it. And you've been given the word of God that has God's instructions for life, how to live, how to make it in this life. And what Peter tells us here in this passage is, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you'll neither be unbarren nor unfruitful in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As a teenager, it took me a while to learn this one. I wish I would have learned it a little bit younger as a teenager, but it took me almost the end of my teenage years to figure this one out. Somehow teenagers get this idea that they know everything. They do. And if you have a teen behind your age right now, you think you know everything. And in fact, you're thinking right now, pastor doesn't know what he's talking about because that's not me. Because you think you know everything. That's the way it goes. And when we talk about this, I thought I had everything figured out. I remember I was about 14 or 15, and my mom's health got to the point to where I had to do most of the cleaning in the house. And yeah, that's pretty scary, a teenage boy doing the cleaning. Now, my brother that's two and a half years younger, why didn't he do all the cleaning? I still haven't figured that one out. And in fact, he's going to be out this next week, and I went down to my parents' house and cleaned out the bedroom they're going to be in just this last week. I don't understand how that worked out, but it, it ended up happening. But I remember my mom for years. When she would clean the floor, she would get down on her hands and knees. And my thought is, no wonder your arthritis is so bad, because you would always get down on your hands and knees. And But so when I, I was 16, I had just gotten a car and things, and so I went to Walmart, and I went and bought a mop. Because why be on your hands and knees when you can use a mop? But my mom's thing, it doesn't get it as clean. That was what you would say. And some of you are like, it's true. And it is true, okay? I'll admit it's true. And then I find out nowadays my dad is way more picky on things than my mom ever was, which I didn't know. And probably my mom was the way she was because of my dad. And so, but we would kind of butt heads when I would do cleaning and other things. And my first thought was, and this is terrible, I'm confessing sin. If you could do it better your way, then you go do it. But since you can't, I'm doing it, so you get what you get. That's a terrible attitude to have. And I do not recommend anyone in this room having that attitude. Do not do that, okay? And any young people in this room hearing me right now, don't do that. That's that's bad. That's wrong. And it it was wrong. But there came a day when I realized this. If I just do things... Their way and work at pleasing them, my life is so much better and less struggle in my life. Like, okay, it takes five extra minutes to do the floor the way my mom likes it, but then I don't have to hear her telling me things and I don't have to argue with her about anything. I, about 16, 17 years old, I changed the way I did things to this. I'm going to please them in what I do. And my 16, 17, 18 year range was so much better than the 13, 14, 15 because I changed my mind to please them. I want to make them happy. And then it's amazing when they're happy and I want to go do something, it's a lot easier to go do something if they're happy, right? So one of my principles for the Christian life is this. If the Word of God says God likes something, then I want to do what he likes. Because most of the time, I don't do what he likes. So I want to see what does he like. It's like my wife. I want to know what she likes. And I like to do those things for her. With God, I want to know what he likes, and I want to do those things. So the Bible makes it clear. In John chapter 15, herein is my father glorified. Hey, you want to make God happy and glorify him? That ye bear much fruit is happy and glorified when a Christian is bringing forth fruit in their life. As we look at our text this morning, this passage says that if you do these things, and if you, have, if you know these things, and they abound, they remain in you, and you're actually doing them, it says you're not going to be unfruitful. It says you're going to bring forth fruit then, right? If you're not unfruitful, it means you're bringing forth fruit. Right? So you can make God happy doing these things now I don't you say well I want to make God happy so he'll give me more if that's your attitude you got a you're a sorry excuse of a Christian because at the end of the day the only reason God accepts you is because of his son not because of anything you do but if I see the Bible says there are things God likes I want to strive for those things so as we look here and I remind you this morning as we look at these things we need to remember them why Why do we need to remember them? Well, number one, you're gonna be fruitful for the Lord. And God's glorified when we're fruitful. And that fruitfulness, you look at, just think about it. The fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, love, joy, peace, long suffering, temperance. Amazing that a lot of the things that we're saying of these things are all fruit of the spirit. So if they remain in you, and you're doing them, you're going to be fruitful, right? But not only will you be fruitful for the Lord, but number two, you're going to be a witness of Jesus Christ. As people will see that. When these are on display, because this is the thing. You can fake it all you want, but what's inside is going to come out. There are a lot of Christians that try to fake the Christian life. You can't fake it with God. God sees through the fakeness. And what's on the inside is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Isn't that what the scripture says? And so if you have these things and these things remain in you, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Number three, you're going to reach others with the gospel. They're going to see it in you. you're at work with someone been working with them for 15 years and you go up to them and like i'm a christian i want you to know jesus like you're a christian and i want nothing to do with that i remember a while back i was talking to someone some guy that i met and he was um he was a manager at a store i'm not gonna tell you what store or anything like that but i said yeah someone from our church there like who and they gave me this look like they're a christian like, um, well, I haven't been around them long. Enough to, well, no, I, no, I didn't go. I'm like, yeah, they're, they were shocked. How are you going to reach someone if these aren't on display? It makes it a lot easier. When these are, and some of you, you know, some of you in this room, you got family members that are unsaved, and sometimes you try to just preach the gospel down their throat. And I'm all for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, but maybe if you showed them some of this you might be able to reach them. Just a thought. Number four, why? Why do we need these supplements? You'll have an impact on the kingdom. When you're fruitful, you'll have an impact. God wants you fruitful. Number five, your life will bring glory to the Father. And isn't that what we should be striving for? These things, church, are very important in our lives. We need these things. Don't forget these things. Verse 8 says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you'd be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, look at the next verse. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. I have people all the time come up to me, Pastor, I don't think I'm saved. I need to get saved again. Think about that statement right there. Saved again. You can't get saved again. You can get saved once. Now the problem with that is, and when we think about that, there are those that think they're saved, but they're not saved. There are many people that, what did Jesus say? You prophesy my name. You did all these things. I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So you got to understand there are those who think they're saved, but they're not. There are those who think they're saved, but don't act like it. I mean, those who are saved but don't act like it. And then there are those who are saved who act like it. That's literally the three categories of people. When you think on that for a minute, I remember just a couple of weeks ago, someone came, Pastor, I don't think I'm saved. Number one, for all of us in this room, you do not know if someone is saved or not. And quit trying to claim you do. You were never called in the scriptures to be a fruit inspector. And there are many pastors and many Christians that are, they aren't they are showing Christ. Yeah, and your stinking attitude isn't showing Christ either. You say, well, I don't like the word stinking. I don't either, but I don't like your attitude either. So do not like what each one of us, there's lots of other things I could say there that I'm not going to. That attitude stinks. And for you to judge someone else, you worry about yourself. But people come to me and like, Pastor, I don't think I'm saved. I don't know if you're saved or not either. And it's not my job to it's not my job to figure out if you're saved or not. I can point you to Jesus and not let him take care of it. But this is what it comes down to. If you and this, what happens oftentimes, we get into sin, and then we're like, I don't think I'm saved. If you are saved, you are always saved. You may not live like it. You might be living like the devil. You might be Blind, you might feel like a lost person, but once you're saved, no one can ever stop you from being saved. There's no sin, there's no death, there's no life. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. You are saved, settled forever. But Pastor, why don't I feel safe? Because you're lacking in these things. And as you lack in these things, it makes you feel like you're not saved. And you gotta understand this more. If you remember your supplements, it's gonna help you with number two: remembering your salvation. You look at the end of verse, and it says, "But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." And when you're lacking these things, you forget what God did in you. We all tend to forget. We I asked the question earlier: How many of you have ever doubted your salvation? I've doubted my salvation in the past, and there are times I do. You say, "Have you ever doubted your salvation as a pastor?" Yeah. When you want to be the pastor instead? Yeah. But the Bible makes it clear right here that when we doubt our salvation, it's not because our salvation is not good and we need to do it again. Pastor, I just need to pray again. First of all, I haven't found once in the Bible where it says you have to pray to be saved. I know we love the sinner's prayer. We love it. We love to point people to the sinner's prayer. But there, I don't see a sinner's prayer found in the Romans road that everyone likes to quote say, so are you against praying? Not in the least. And I am fine with someone praying. To, I have no problem with that. But thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is trusting Christ. Salvation is nothing that you and I could have done. It's we are given. You think, it all starts with faith, but you're dead. You have no faith. You have nothing. It's God's grace that gives you the faith. It's the gift God gives you. He does it. And we're going to, on Wednesday night this week, we're looking at the Holy Spirit and how he regenerates us. It's an awesome word we're going to talk, and we will see how that all ties into that on Wednesday night. If you don't know what regeneration is, come Wednesday night. You'll want to hear that. But it all begins, and salvation's key. You say, well, pastor, I keep messing up. Could it be that you're messing up because you're lacking in those things? What I always do is, Someone will come to me, and literally it was two weeks ago, I get it often about this thing of, I need to get saved again. I ask them, has the Lord ever worked in your life? Do you remember the day you got saved? And I have them talk to me and just go through those things. Have you ever felt God moving you through his word? And I know feelings are not always what you need, but I try and the Holy Spirit also bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So think with me for a second. If you're lacking in these things, which are fruits of the Spirit, it's no wonder you're doubting if you're even saved because the Spirit's not bearing witness with your spirit that you're His because these things are lacking. Do you get that this morning? These things are very important. And so you need to remember your salvation. There are lots of things I remember in life. I remember the first time I saw Caroline. I remember the first time I held my children. I remember William was born. And he was a C-section, different things. And I've never seen such big eyes looking at me. I didn't know babies had eyes like that looking at me. And it was just the, I'll never forget that. And his eyes haven't changed much. The whole rest of the body's changed, but those eyes still look just about the same as they did. Certain things I'll never forget. I won't forget the day I got saved. I was told I got saved when I was four. I was doing some things I shouldn't, and my mom sat me down because I needed Jesus. And I'm sure I needed Jesus. I remember at seven years old, February 15th of 93, literally just a few days ago, it was 30 years since I got saved. I was, um, they did the um, prodigal son, the story at the revival meetings, and the teacher, I remember he said this, he said, I don't care if your mom says you're saved or not, do you know that you're saved? I'm like, my mom always said I'm saved, but I don't know. And I know I got saved that day. You say, did you get saved when you were four or did you get saved when you were seven? Could have been either one, but I know I'm saved and I know where I'm going. But there are times in life where even though I know that, I'm like, why am I doing these things? If it, does they say, and this is where, we're, where we go. Does a saved person do that? Does a saved person like this? And you, you, know, our answers would be no, but you still have your old man with you. He doesn't go away. And if these things are not abounding and active in your life, the old man's running rampant. And that's why we doubt. And so these all work together. You see, number one, you've got to remember your supplements. You've got to add those things. As you add those things, you, gotta remember, you need to remember your salvation. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know the time or the date. You'll be okay. Do you remember when it happened? Do you remember when you got saved? Some people don't remember a time. I don't remember what time it was. I don't remember all the details behind it. I remember enough. I know that I'm saved, which leads to number three. Remember where you're headed. The hope that we have, verse number 11 says, "For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." But you see how these things all tie together? You need to remember your supplements. you need to add to your faith. you need to grow. Because when you're not growing, you're going to be stumbling and you're not going to even be sure that you're saved. And you're definitely not going to remember where you're headed if you don't know that you're saved. Many Christians wander around their life aimlessly because these things are lacking. Do you know what the devil wants more than anything in your life? He wants you to doubt your salvation. Because you are of no good to God. And not that we're of any good to God. That's a terrible way of wording it. Because when God got us, he got the bad end of every deal there. There's nothing, he, he just got headaches and nightmares from all of us in all reality. But when you look at those things, the devil wants you to doubt your salvation. The devil wants you to not grow and to be stuck. But Peter says that as long as the Lord would give me breath, I want to stir you up and remember, it's even after I die of these things. Because if you have these things and they abound in you, and they remain in you, you're going to grow. What's the difference between a growing Christian and a non-growing Christian? What you do with those things. That's literally it. Say, Pastor, I haven't grown in a long time. Then what are you doing with those things? Those things matter. you know what I love as we look at this, and Peter says towards the end there, I'm going to stir you up to remember these things, and that even after I'm gone, I want you to remember it. He's been gone a long time. Hasn't he been gone a long time? Peter's been gone a long time. And guess what? We're still being stirred to remember it almost 2,000 years later. Because in the Christian life, if you want to grow, these things matter. If you want to be stuck in your complacency and never go anywhere in the Christian life, forget those things. Leave them. Let them lack and be unfruitful and go nowhere in your Christian life. You know, I've had someone tell me, well, pastor, none of it really matters. I'm saved. That's all that matters. And in all reality, the only thing that does truly matter is that you're saved. That is the biggest thing. But God doesn't want you to be nothing in the Christian life. God doesn't want you to be a dead tree. He's given you life. He wants you to grow. And God says, I've given you all you need to grow. He's given us everything. Did you remember we read that before? Go back, look at your text. To verse number um, three. Do you see how this all ties together? It's amazing when you take a whole passage together, how it all comes together. Look at verse three. According as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You've been given all things to grow. You've been given all things to do these things. So don't forget these things. And when you start forgetting these things, stir them up inside and don't forget these things. Keep these things close. Do them in your life. Grow in the Lord. And when you stop growing, get back to these things. These things matter. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been away from God for a while. It's time you get back to these things. You might have a head knowledge, but they're not remaining in you. You can have a head knowledge and be going nowhere. Get them in there and let them grow you. God wants to. He's given you all you need for life. So let's not forget these things.